Hello, and welcome to Writing the Coast. I'm your host, Megan Cole, and Writing the Coast is the official podcast of the BC and Yukon Book Prizes. On Writing the Coast, you'll hear conversations with the winners and finalists of the annual BC and Yukon Book Prizes, as well as interviews with book lovers from across the province and territory. My guest for this episode is Megan Fenya Jones. Megan is the author of the program, which is a finalist for the 2023 Dorothy Livesay Poetry Prize. In this episode, Megan talks about how important the role of her editor was in the creation of the book and the way the body and seeing her own body shaped some of the poems. Megan starts our episode with a reading from the program. So I wanted to read a poem that appears sort of towards the end of the book. And this poem I thought would be fun to read because it is written to dear friend of mine, Kayla Zaga, who has been shortlisted for the Dorothy Livesay Prize as well. And the GGs and she's one of my mentors and really helped me with this book. She read it many times and provided lots of feedback. So I thought I would read this longer poem to Kayla. So it's called Little Foot. Oh, and sorry, I should say that in the book, I changed her name to Kyla, but but really it, secretly it's Kayla. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna say Kayla when I read it. Kayla, grandpa keeps chewing her little foot and making it look sad. Grandpa is the name you gave your gray cat. You say the vet doesn't know what's wrong with grandpa and it makes you sad to see the little foot all bloodied and moist. Grandpa wears a cone and stays home while you attend your daughter's graduation. I ask what it was like and you say small and hot. Kayla, a nice man has invited me to live with him and I feel cornered. I want my days to remain thick and voiceless. I want to wake up and river my dark insides into a silver laptop and leave it dying on the counter. Kayla, is it inhuman to live with another person? Maybe it's very human and there's something wrong with me. Kayla, you live with your daughter and grandpa, one happy family. Kayla, here's the thing. I wake and open the blinds, brew coffee and heat milk in a saucepan on the stove. I pee with my chin in my hand, careful not to shift the air in the rooms, careful not to make a new sound or smell. I want everything to stay exactly as it was yesterday and the day before that and the day before that, because on those days I wrote something decent. On those days I existed only in words. Kayla, is it inhumane to let a person see you? Is it inhumane to allow that person to see you, not away it's the small soft parts of yourself? Kayla, when I was a child, I wanted to live in a tower gaze at the mirror, smoke cigarettes, and read Ernest Hemingway. When I imagined a future, I was always alone. Kayla, do you ever ask yourself what happened? Why does grandpa ravage her little foot in the corner of the room? Is it selfish to invite a small animal to live with you? Maybe it's selfless, and grandpa would have died if you and your daughter didn't give her a name. Kayla, I would like to sleep with this nice man, but sex is a small sacrifice to make for the freedom to rearrange my dark insides in a thick and voiceless room. On the other hand, a writer like Hemingway had plenty of sex and still scattered so many small abuses throughout his novels, like coins turned loose from a pocket. 
Kayla, when I was young, I studied the works of men as one studies the plays of the opposing team. Now I'm told one must read books by women. One must forfeit the game. Kayla, when grandpa chews her little foot, does she look lost or in service of a higher power? I suppose it's hard to tell a cat's purpose by how much she does or doesn't chew her little foot. Kayla, last night I read a short story in The New Yorker about a woman who lives the same day over and over for eternity. I felt disturbed as I dried my body and got into bed as you danced and drank blood red wine at your daughter's graduation as grandpa's little foot lay bloodied and moist. Thank you. It's funny because it's funny that it's it was Kayla who was Kyla because I think in Dunk Tank doesn't Kayla write to a Kyla? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> Kayla does write to a Kyla, yeah. and I twisted the poem a little bit because of you know various names and themes in the poem, and you know Kayla doesn't have a daughter in real life, but she does have a cat named Grandpa actually. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was funny because I did I thought of her of Duntek while I was reading it because I remembered because I've talked to her about the book and I remembered that name coming up so it's funny. The yeah, connection. I think the, Kayla and I both are friends with Kyla Jamison, who's also a poet, and Kayla writes poems to Kyla in that book, and I think also the names Kayla and Kyla are so similar. There's a little bit of like intermingling there with Kayla writing to herself, but also writing to Kyla. And yeah. Yeah. Kayla and Kyla have been such huge influences on my writing. So, yeah. yeah. But it's something that like maybe people wouldn't necessarily pick up if I didn't, you know, point it out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So my first question for you is, who are you? <laughs> um, so I'm Megan. Uh, and I am a poet. Are you more than a poet? <laughs> Do you <laughs> want to talk about anything else that you are? Yeah, so um, I guess I could talk about what I do when I'm not writing poetry, which is I, I work in independent publishing, and I work for a publisher called Greystone Books. And right now I'm the marketing director, um, which just means that I make sure that readers are aware that the books we publish exist and should be read. So so I kind of work on both sides of the publishing, or I exist on both sides of the publishing system. Yeah. So your book, I was it was interesting while I was reading the program, because I think sometimes I read poetry collections and and while you can tell like they all all the poems belong together, poetry doesn't often have like a narrative through line necessarily. But it felt like there was a little bit of like a, a story through all of your poems. Like they it felt like they needed to be read from beginning to end. Can you talk about how your collection came to be and how it started? Yeah, I mean these poems are poems I've written in the span of 10 years, various different poems at different times and writing them wasn't a conscious effort to write them in a narrative arc, I guess is kind of what you're saying. Mm -hmm. um, I just wrote them at different points. I never thought I would publish a book, 
the editor I worked with on this book, Dorothy Lasky, she was so helpful in sort of pointing me towards little little moments in the book where there could be a narrative. She helped me identify amidst this jumble of poems that I had compiled a narrative and she helped me sort of shape that narrative and I think play with the poems a little bit more and you know make them sort of connect through image through word repetition a little bit more than they had before I think the collection was a lot more disparate before Dorothy sort of got involved and showed me the potential of the narrative what was that process like to to go through seeing a narrative in it because I I I write like longer nonfiction pieces so narrative is always kind of something I think Mm -hmm. about um Mm -hmm. and I I don't know if that's always the case for for a poem and so how did that kind of change your perspective of your work going through that process with the program yeah I mean I think sometimes um it's nice it's a nice thing for the reader to have a narrative I think if you're if you are sort of a linear thinker, like maybe I'm a little bit of a linear thinker or some of my closest friends who aren't writers, um, I really wanted them to be able to connect with the book. And I felt like once Dorothy pointed out the narrative potential, I I felt like it was a really good thing because I, I thought it would maybe bring in more readers than um, it would, maybe make the book more inviting to a wider variety of readers. So I, I think I was thinking a lot about the reader when I was working with Dorothy and working on that aspect of the book. And, you know, how is the reader going to experience this book and will the narrative, if it's, if the narrative fits naturally with the poems, like how will it help them experience the book and yeah, I think I just really thought about that. And I do think that a lot of readers are taught maybe when they're young in like elementary school that poetry is a puzzle that needs to be solved. I mean, everybody says that, but I think it's true. So I really wanted to like not make the book a puzzle, I guess, and not purposefully not leave people guessing at you know what happens to the speaker what's what is the speaker thinking what is the speaker saying doing I just wanted it to be really clear and that was really difficult because it's hard to be clear (laughs) it's like the hardest thing so um, but that was really the goal and it helped me to have that goal yeah yeah I was wondering if you could clarify uh, who the speaker is in your book, because I got the sense that it was somewhat autobiographical, but I I always find it interesting because, again, this is like, I, I've taken poetry classes, so I've learned about, you know, the masks that poets wear in their work. But it, were you leaning on your own experiences or were there moments when you were putting on those masks to tell different stories as well? I mean, it's really hard to describe the thing that happens when the book is finished and the distance that I feel from the book. Because I, you know, the speaker in the book 
talks about modeling in the past, modeling in the present, going through eating disorder treatment programs or some type of treatment program. And um, I think those, I mean, those are experiences I've had, but when I finished the book, I, I just feel like it's so separate from me and my experience. And it, it kind of feels like a, like an unfair answer <laughs> to be like, it's not me, but it really, the speaker really isn't me. I don't see the book as confessional. I, a lot of people read it that way and that's fine. I mean, I've done a few readings where the host will say, wow, thank you for sharing. You know, I'm being so vulnerable and I'm, I'm thinking, well, it is really crafted and a lot of, there's a lot of t like, um, effort that I put into this poem. It's not just a journal entry. So it's, yeah. And, and I think that's one thing that Dorothy really helped me with. She came on at a, at a point that was perfect because I think a lot of the poems were really sort of just, this is what happened. And she, she helped me see that I didn't have to like, um, treat the writing process like I was writing a memoir. I could make things up. I could add in characters who don't exist. I could add in feelings that I never had, but it's all working to serve the reader of the book. So um, when people read the book in an autobiographical way, it kind of makes me laugh because it just, it just feels so so distant from my own experience at this point because of all that work I did to like make it sort of compelling and to make it pull in the reader yeah yeah and I think there's an, like Sharita and I talked about this a bit too how like in a sense a book like the program and like test piece it's a snapshot of of a point in time it doesn't necessarily mean it's who you are now or represent your current experiences or even you know so whatever um, thoughts you had but it's like people kind of readers have a different take memoir is very similar where it's like you know memoir is crafted and polished over and controlled but people readers don't always necessarily get that they interpret it very differently from what it, from being art, I guess, is the difference. Yeah, I think I wish Sharita were here talking about my <laughs> book instead of me. <laughs> um, she's so brilliant and everything she says makes so much sense. I, yeah, I think one thing I learned from, from Dorothy, again, I keep bringing up Dorothy because she was such a huge part of the, of the writing process was um, there's nothing for me, I don't, I don't see a story that a story that I've experienced or something that's happened to me or someone else or something I've observed as happening in the past. I feel like, I feel like my memories and my experiences are always blending together and getting mixed up. And in terms of the recovery process, whether it's from an eating disorder or an addiction or trauma, what, what, um, what have you, there's no beginning and end point in the recovery journey. So, so much of it is tumbled together and jumbled. And I wanted the reader to get that sense because I think it's true. And so while yes, there is a narrative and I think people can really grab onto the speaker in the book and 
feel like, like they can relate to her and go through the journey with her. I also think that it's not linear and that's because this is such a cliche, but recovery of anything isn't linear. And it really feels like you're living in your memories when you're going through something like that. Yeah. Something I really enjoyed about the book was the way you wrote about women's bodies. Uh, and it, it was just like, it was very refreshing in many cases, like, you know, writing about how, like periods, like we don't often get, we still, I still <laughs> find it baffling. Like in art, we don't see people with uteruses menstruating. Like it's just not a thing we see and to see women's bodies and people with uteruses bodies uh, represented that way is so refreshing. Could you talk about some of the challenges or why you wanted to uh, address like the body in that way through this work? In in the way of like, what just do you think? Very- vulnerable and <laughs> vulgar I thought you were gonna say <laughs> <laughs> vulgar. <laughs> no I didn't I not vulgar. <laughs> just like very like I don't know I you read work sometimes and it just like you can feel it inside you and it be and, it, and reading the poems made me aware of like my own body as well and right. I just think there was something very um refreshing about the representation of of a body like my, I, and a female body or a, a female represented body in in the work yeah I think in a way a, a lot of people have told me that they th- that they've experienced the book that way and I think women or at least the women I know and who've talked to about bodies have experienced like a distance from their body and so um in a way it's it's weird to read something or watch something where the body is so immediate and intimate because there is this distance and I think that's something that the that I managed to like play with in the book which is the distance from the body and then the shocking feeling of just suddenly being in the body and the body sort of functioning on its own and body the horror of that kind of like it's kind of gross. And um, I think that just didn't, that didn't, like when you said, was that a challenge? It didn't feel like a challenge to me. What felt like a challenge was writing a book with images like that and getting people to want to read it. (laughs) I think it's, I think there needs to, I really worked on adding in moments of like connection between women in the book to sort of counteract that because I think the speaker has experiences of this great distance from her body this this horror of being in her body and how foreign it feels and how icky that feels the the feeling of other people looking at the body and and the strangeness but also like wonderful feeling of that and um I think if the book was only that it would be so claustrophobic and just um really hard to read. So I think having those moments of connection and especially connection among other women was important to balance that, I think. And so that was the challenge actually. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it It's interesting you bringing up that like feeling of distance from the body. Cause I also really enjoyed this kind of like shift between like 
the way we see ourselves and the way we're perceived, which is also a very, like, I think women experience that in a different way as well, because so much mm-hmm. of how we see ourselves isn't necessarily like an authentic experience. It's shaped by how the world wants us to be or how mm-hmm. we're reflected in other people's um, eyes or the media. Um, yeah. Yeah. And in that way, I think that the, the, the theme or whatever it is in the book about modeling for me, when people say, Oh, it's autobiographical because you were a model. But for me, it, it works more in the book as yes part of it is I have autobiographical but I think part of it now that you're talking and we're talking is it's kind of a metaphor for how all women feel because that experience of being um looked at and objectified brings so many different mixed emotions for women in my life so yeah I don't know if that makes sense yeah. Yeah. And just like perceptions of like, like beauty comes up a lot in, in the book and like there's, there's art being made, which is also another kind of like something being made to look at and someone decides whether it's beautiful or whether it's art or whatever it is. And it's kind of like, yeah, it's these, these perceptions and like dis- the distancing that, you know, to, be away from art but then to be in it and to be away from the body but also in it it's like a really and like in the body one thing that I feel like is such a trippy experience for me is like being in my body looking at art like that's crazy and I'm you know my friends who are artists standing beside them looking at their art that's something that came out of their body it's just crazy it makes me feel crazy like so (laughs) that's a bit in the book as well I guess yeah 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 it's I don't I don't know about you but like I have moments where I'm like laying in bed before like just as I'm about to like fall asleep and I have the weirdest thoughts and I'm always like it's like our bodies and our minds are just very strange and wonderful totally (laughs) and wonderful and there's so much I hope in the book about how wonderful it can be, you know, to be in this body. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit about how the program poems uh, fit through the piece because they, that title repeats as, as a theme and it kind of brings us back to that place throughout, throughout the book. And um, I was just curious about the placement of those and how you decided those would flow through the other pieces. Yeah, I really have to give credit again to Dorothy Lasky for that because originally I had them all in one section in the middle of the book as in the speaker does this, then they're in the program and then they're recovered and they're doing this now. And Dorothy was kind of like, like I think I touched on this earlier, that doesn't really work that way. And I think if you intermingle these throughout the book and you name the book after them, it just it it evokes that experience of constantly being in in um, conversation with your demons or something like all the time. It doesn't just happen and then finish. So I think so that when the readers in the world of the book, it's like, oh yeah, but we're still we're still here. We're still working on this. You know, it's not. You know, and then and then the speaker is going through some other things, and oh, and we're back in the program again. It's not 
finished. It's not over. And I really thank her for that because I think it's really brilliant. And I think it's important to say that because so much of books and how they're perceived is thanks to the editing process. And I really think that editors deserve so much credit for it, you know, seeing the vision of a book and, and getting the book to that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I love the way they, they did fit in there and, and it touches back from what you were saying about the kind of like non-linear storyline or narrative if we want to call it that for this book is you know it does kind of move through like nothing is consistent it's like things are folding back on each other and moving forward and which is I mean I think I think linear storylines are dull and kind of (laughs) kind of a (laughs) fantasy uh if we're being entirely honest but uh yeah I mean I've never yeah I've never written a story like really in a serious way so yeah that's comforting to hear you say as someone who (laughs) writes stories yeah I mean most of the books I'm interested in and that I enjoy are they're never like just you know the standard boring beginning middle end kind of story like because it just doesn't really feel true to human experience that's yeah it's funny you say that because I love reading mystery novels and thrillers which have that exact arc it like all gets, I love the ones they're like, I think they're people call them cozy mysteries, cozy, yeah. some cozy mysteries. And the ending is so tied up and there's a real beginning, middle end. And so I think writing the book in a nonlinear way was super challenging for me, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it was good to challenge myself. Yeah. What's inspiring the work you're doing these days? Um, well, it's been really cool to be shortlisted with all these other poets and to 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 have the honor of you know being among their work. And so this summer, I'm planning to read everybody else's work, and I think the ceremony's in September. So it's kind of a nice project for me to do that this summer. And you know, I really feel inspired by other poets who've been my mentor forever mentors forever like obviously Dorothy Lasky is a huge inspiration to me Kayla Zaga Kyla Jamison um Sean Robinson has also had a big impact on me I don't know if you know his work but he edited my chat book Normal Women and he has a, a book that's really good with um it's Brick Press but um you know and there are so many other poets I could name, like Mallory Tater, Selena Bond, um, and just, you know, the local poets that I know here in Vancouver, and just meeting up with them and talking and writing together and having drinks. And I find that really inspiring. Um, yeah. I think we're lucky in Vancouver to have this community of poets who've like really dug in their heels and decided to stay here, even though it's so expensive. And um, I just feel so inspired by that all the time. Yeah. I also get a lot of inspiration from art. Art (laughs) sounds very vague. (laughs) Um, But it's true. Like, I'll just go to, if I'm traveling or if I'm here, I'll just go to art galleries. I'm lucky to have some friends who are artists and just, like, hang out and look at stuff and see what kind of weird thoughts I have. Yeah, I think that's also huge. And then music is really big for me too. 
I listen to a lot of music, the same music over and over when I was writing the program. And it was, it had a huge impact on, on the book for sure. And one of my friends once told me it's cheesy when poets say that like songwriters are their inspiration, but <laughs> I, which is probably true, but I really do feel like that's true for me, like a lot. So um, yeah, music, my friends and art, paintings. Yeah. There's a lot of paintings in the book too. So um, I want to explore that a little bit more, maybe in my next book. That was Megan Fenya Jones. Megan is the author of the program, which is a finalist for the 2023 Dorothy Livesay Poetry Prize. If you would like to find out more about the BC and Yukon Book Prizes, visit our website at bcyukonbookprizes.com. You can also find us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. Next time on Writing the Coast, you'll hear my conversation with Haley Healy and Kamiko Fraser. They are the author and illustrator of Her Courage Rises, 50 Trailblazing Women of British Columbia and the Yukon. Thanks for listening to Writing the Coast.